So I think the less we depend on offering a commodity, the more we depend on offering something that is truly unique to what we do, which is our relationship and our ability to lead, uh, I think the better off we are positioned for the future. This is the Authority Builder Podcast. This is the place to come if you're building a professional practice and you want to be seen as the leader in your market. We're going to interview the top experts throughout professional services, and we're going to share insights with you to help you grow your firm and be positioned as the only choice that clients ever want. Welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we've got a phenomenal interview for you today. Uh, If you have ever wondered if there's a better way to build your practice, then this is the interview for you. Uh, Today, I'm talking with Anton Anderson. He began his career in 2003 with Smith Barney while studying entrepreneurship in college, graduated from the University of California at Santa Barbara and and in the top 3% of his class. So he's a smart dude. In 2008, he co-founded SPL Financial, grew that into a thriving practice, and then sold that in 2014 to start Elite Resource Team. They're recognized as one of the top training companies for financial advisors and accountants. And he has thousands of clients across North America. And as CEO, he spends most of his time on the long range strategic company initiatives. And I have to tell you, I know a little bit about the the model that that he's going to share with you today. And it is a powerful way to grow a practice. Uh, Anton is also a published author. Uh, He's lived in... uh, in the United States, Australia, the UK, and now resides in San Diego. Anton, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to have you here. Thank you very much. Yep, excited to be on with you. I, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, well, I know we have an awful lot of financial advisors and accountants listening, and a lot of other allied professionals are probably like, wait, there's a different way to build a, a service practice. Before we get into all of that, I'd love to hear um, just from your perspective, a little bit of your background that you think is relevant for people to understand that kind of gives them a picture of how you got to this stage. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, I mean, in terms of career background, somewhat traditional as it started, and it's it's kind of gone maverick in the last 10 or so years, um, just because I think that's what happens as industries shift and people see opportunity, opportunity and, uh, and I'm wired like an entrepreneur. So, in terms of the the background, you went to Smith Barney, as you said. I worked uh, worked full time through college, and originally spent you know the early days in the industry trying to figure out like how to cold call. That was basically my initial experience at Smith Barney. Is here's the phone book and see if you can set some appointments for the big dogs in the office. And from there, I I went to a smaller, more boutique firm in San Diego that kind of specialized in working with. The we'll call it the mass affluent and affluent client space. You know, a lot of business owners, a lot of advanced planning, and that's where the concept of a family office was originally introduced to me. They shut their doors in the 2008 2009 time period, as probably happened to a handful of folks listening. So at that point, I thought I was ready to go out on my own and you know build a practice. And I I was quickly um, met with reality, which was it's tough. To go about things in the traditional red ocean way, you know. So I was buying leads, I was doing the dinner seminars, I poked around with some radio for a little while, and ultimately it just kind of brought me back to one core thing I learned at Smith Barney, which was the power of alliances. So Smith Barney, out of all the wirehouses, has the oldest CPA alliance training program, and I was too inexperienced and too young at the time to be accepted into that. But 
I just always remember hearing that. It was like this, if you ever get to that level, that's where you want to go. So yeah, I was kind of fumbling around doing okay, but not great in the traditional way of marketing and so forth. And I just had a couple experiences that I don't really have time to go into right now, but it's just the traditional experiences that probably most advisors have had where they're sitting down and spending a lot of time with one person. And ultimately that that prospect says they want to move forward. Oh, but wait, we need to run it by our CPA. And then I CPA has no idea, you know, all the work I've done behind the scenes. They were too busy to talk to me. They took my financial plan and ended up telling the client without ever talking to me that they were uncomfortable with the suggestion. It was like, what in the world just happened? So, you know, you have a couple experiences like that and you just think, this is not how I want to run my practice. There's just, there's way too much luck involved. There's not enough control. It's not strategic enough. And I just felt like that was the opportunity to, to really double down and focus on how do I form better relationships with other professionals? So that way I don't spend all this time educating a client, doing my work behind the scenes for them to decide to not move forward when clearly it was in their best interest. And I had no relationship with the ultimate decision maker, you know, which was the CPA in that circumstance. So, you know, that was 2010, probably. Fast forward a couple of years through a lot of different training programs I went through and invested six figures in different groups and learned a lot of things, some more helpful than others. But, um, but through that, ended up forming a handful of really good CPA relationships to relationships with attorneys and grew it where I had, you know, 100% of the business kind of coming from these types of relationships. And it was, it was luck more than anything else that it, it didn't follow the traditional path of a referral type of partnership. I don't think that would have worked as well for, for my personality. What it really formed was, you know, early on, I just called it the team based model. It was, it was kind of like, don't refer anything to me, but when you have a situation that's outside of your area of expertise, like call me in and either myself or somebody else I work with in my, you know, in my ecosystem will be able to help that client. And so ultimately that's what we did. And I think it was, it was different enough and it was valuable enough to my strategic partners where it started gaining some traction. And so fairly quickly, I went from fumbling around to kind of this like young advisor that started getting recognized at different conferences and awards and people at the happy hours kind of started coming up and shaking my hand and saying, you know, how, are you, how, how did you do that? How did you do that? How did you build these relationships? And um, three or four of those kind of conversations and just thought, well, maybe there's an opportunity to do something more kind of nationwide in terms of educating and consulting. It was very much in line with not only my personality, but my, my family background, you know, very much heavy into the education space. So talked to a, a business partner and two of us decided to launch Elite Resource Team in kind of late 2014 with that, basically that mission of educating financial advisors and insurance agents how to form these types of team-based relationships with CPAs and attorneys. And, you know, fairly quickly kind of started growing and we've worked with over 1200 advisors now, um, hundreds of CPAs, dozens of attorneys and built up, I think a pretty robust virtual family office of over 50 experts nationwide that support that community. So it's been a fun ride and COVID has certainly helped us, I think, grow because people have been forced out of their comfort zone to think, 
oh, you need to employ people in your office or you need to be able to drive to a client or sit down with a CPA face to face. You know, very quickly people realized I can be in California and you can be in Florida. You know, we can be just as effective and profitable, if not more. So that's kind of where we are. And that's, that's a little bit of the background that led me to this place. Well, that, that gives us a lot to, to unpack. Um, you know, I, I know for so many of the financial advisors we work with, one of the things that is kind of like the, the holy grail for them is getting relationships with allied professionals. Um, the two that I hear most often are CPAs and estate planning attorneys. And, uh, and for a lot of the advisors, they think, well, if I just get that, that'll be it. And they're, they're thinking of it in terms of a referral relationship. Those are great, but you're really taking it a significant step above and beyond that. So I'd love for you to maybe start just by unpacking this strategy a little bit and maybe contrast it with what most people think of as a typical referral relationship. Yeah, good. So, and I appreciated how you preface the question by saying those, those, you know, those can be good or those can be great. Um, uh, so the way I often look at it is you have a really poor outdated mindset, which is like, they are adversaries. You have a financial advisor, you have a CPA, you have an attorney, you have an insurance professional, and they can't cooperate or play nicely in the sandbox because they are, they all have dueling advice. And I think that's the worst place to be as a service professional. And I see that a lot still. You know, it's everybody's throwing sand at everyone else. From there, you have one step better, which is a significant step, but it's we have the ability to cooperate. That's kind of the referral model, which is we understand that we aren't the only solution that a client needs. Even if you're the best financial advisor, they still have needs that are outside of your area of expertise. And if you, if you ignore that, then I think you are either one, limiting yourself to working with really simple client situations, or two, you're massively underserving your clients. You know, because any type of mass affluent, affluent business owner, they need more than just your one slice of the pizza. They need a more comprehensive approach, which includes estate planning, business succession planning, legal services, you know, tax planning, et cetera. So cooperating is kind of like average. It's kind of a middle level. It's better than the ones that are adversarial. But it's, it's nowhere near as effective as the ones that will truly collaborate, right? So you have adversaries, you have cooperators, and then you have collaborators. Collaborators are people that actually come together and have set their personal agenda aside and will proactively and holistically have conversations about clients' circumstances to make sure that they're, they're bringing the most value to the table. It's that old like synergy, right? One plus one equals 11 kind of deal. And so as soon as you start recognizing that clients are better served when their professionals collaborate, I think it's really hard to argue that that's not the case. I, I think I, I don't see any argument to say clients would be, would be worse off if their professionals collaborated more. Nobody would say that. I mean, think about the analogy if you were doctors. Would your clients be worse off if your general practitioner communicated with your cardiovascular surgeon? Of course not. Like everybody needs right. to cooperate and use the same material and the same information. Same in finance. So then you think, well, are the professionals better off or worse off? And that just gets to the heart of how do you structure it? And if you structure it in a way where you actually create more value for the client and you can create more of an enjoyable work experience for the professionals, 
and create more revenue, you know, now all of a sudden you say, well, there's no way that professionals aren't better off using collaborative model either. You know, you have a bring more value to your clients, you enjoy the work more and you create more revenue. So collaboration, I think really is by far a superior approach. The thing that gets in the way of that is how do you actually do it? How does compliance allow it? How do I have time for that? I have too many clients. I can't form the types of relationships that really require me to sit down and speak to their other professionals. So, so there's a lot of nuances to be aware of in terms of how it's structured. But at the end of the day, I think it's very hard to argue when you break it down that it's not a better overall way to serve clients or better way to run your practice. And to get back to your question in terms of the difference between a referral and more of a team-based model like I'm describing, a referral is basically a handoff. Here, call this person or here, these people might be able to help. Here's three names and phone numbers so I don't get myself in a compliance problem. And the reality is it's just that's a very inefficient model. It lacks leadership. I think it's kind of uncomfortable for the clients. A team-based approach is much more of a true like family office structure where you're actually sitting down in, in one meeting. So if you were the CPA and I'm the advisor, and maybe we're talking about a client's estate planning needs, we have the estate planning attorney there too, and the client. So it's the four of us all sitting down and taking the time to truly do collaborative planning. So that's the difference between referring a client out versus I'm going to invite the client into my planning discussion with their fellow team members. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. Yeah, I, and I I agree with you. I think there's no way to look at this that's not a massive win for the client and for the all of the advisors on the team. What are the obstacles that really get in the way? I mean, as people look at this, what are some of the practical things that just stump people as they're they're walking towards this? Yeah. So there's a few that come to mind as you ask that, um, Steve. It's a good question. Like, what are the practical blockers? One is time. It's just people, what they're trying to do too often, I think, is they take the same mindset or business approach that they had to their outdated referral model and they apply it to a team-based model. So they think, I need 650 clients, right? Or I don't have enough time because I have seven other meetings today. But that's an outdated mindset. So if you change the way you structure your business, change the way you bill and you bring more value to more than justify that billing model, then all of a sudden you realize you don't need 750 clients. You don't need 500 clients. You don't need 400 clients. How many do you need? Depends on how you want to structure it. 50, 100. You know? But if you bring 10x as much value and you charge significantly more for that, which clients are happy to pay because the value is there, then all of a sudden you end up having a practice which is more profitable with a better work-life balance and more enjoyable because you have deeper client relationships. So, so that's one is time, um, bottleneck, you know, the number of clients. I think another thing that gets in the way is just there's a fear that advisors and CPAs and attorneys, et cetera, have that they need to position themselves as the one that has the answers. And I don't think that's true. I, I think more so than ever before, If you just recognize that a client, as I referenced a few minutes ago, they have needs that are outside of any individual professional's area of expertise. You know, they don't really care if you're the expert in all of the above or if you have experts on your team. 
So it's almost like proactively getting out of your own head, thinking that you have to be the one that positions yourself as the expert. You don't. You really should be the expert in one thing, and that's the client. If it's your client, you should be the client relationship lead. Now, you might have an expertise in wealth management or in you know whatever your traditional area of focus has been. Do that. And then just behind you, form these strategic relationships to offer more of a team-based approach where you have an ecosystem that you can bring clients into. So that's kind of the first one I think is the time issue and the bottleneck. The second one is just removing the ego, recognizing you don't have to be a know-it-all. You don't, you know, you shouldn't be a jack of all trades. It's kind of um, Dan Sullivan and Benjamin Hardy have coined it the who, not how. You know, it's the very similar concept to that. So those I think are big ones. And then probably the other one that gets in the way is just anytime you're trying to do something new and you're changing the way that the industries typically operate, you run into complexity that takes time and energy to work through. You know, this isn't something that you're going to be taught by the traditional sources, your, your, your RIA, your BD, your IMO, your, you know, your, your accounting mentor probably didn't teach you this type of model because as these things move and evolve, the majority kind of get left behind in a way because they're, they're, they're fluctuating, right? So they're, because they're in a constant state of evolution, you typically just have a small group of people that will be the first adapters. But as a result of that, there's a lot to learn through the complexity. So that's, I like to think part of the value that we would bring to the table is like showing you how to actually navigate the complexity because not only have we taught others to do it, but probably more importantly, we've done it ourselves. I mean, my one of my business partners is an accountant, grew his accounting firm using the core principles of the team-based model, sold it for over $45 million. So we've been in the professional's shoes. And whether it's us or somebody else, you know, learning from other people that have done it, I think is, is probably the best way to navigate it. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And you know, you said something in there that I think. Yeah, and you went over it quickly, but I think it probably strikes fear in the hearts of most professionals. You talked about fewer clients and charging a lot more. Yeah. And those are scary things. I mean, I mean, we go through it just trying to get someone to to narrow down a niche for their their marketing, not for the whole business. But really what you're talking about is is probably shedding clients if they've got mm-hmm. a traditional practice, at least over time, and then really dramatically increasing fees to make up for it. But delivering a lot more value. What kind of pushback do you see from that? Because I think those are real mindset struggles that, that people have to, to address. And, and what's your best argument for, for overcoming it? Yeah, I used to, I used to make the argument proactively with people. And I still can't. You know, I can show the numbers. What does it look like if you have 500 clients, but your average client is making you a thousand dollars a year? What does it look like if you have a hundred clients, but your average client is making you five thousand a year? You know, you can mathematically show these things. What we recently started doing is our coaches will actually sit down and look at your book of business. And then we will break down how many clients do you have? And we'll do, we'll segment the revenue by 20%, right? So we'll stop, start with the top 20%. Okay. You have 600 clients. What's the top 20% make you? And it often is, you know, 70, 75% of the, of the firm revenue. Okay. What's the next 20%? So that's 40% of your clients make you how much? 85% of the firm revenue. Okay. What's the next 20%? And quickly, what you see is within the top 60%, you're often making like 
you know, 90% or so of the revenue, which means you go down one more and you're at like 97% of the revenue. And then the, the bottom 20% of your clients are often only making you a couple percentage points of your total firm revenue. So we can put in place a really strategic plan to say, well, what do we do about this? You know, there's that you can fire clients, you can raise prices, you can hire somebody that handles the bottom 40% as an example. You can work with outsourcing. I mean, those are all things that we would help somebody strategically analyze their client base and decide what's the path forward. Then we look at the top 40%. Okay, we're going to send letters to them introducing this new proactive holistic planning service, letting them selectively raise their hand and say whether or not they're interested in having a further conversation about this. Overwhelmingly, people are. You know, the, one of the terms I hear often is I say, right now, I feel like I have this hodgepodge of advisors and financial advisor, a CPA, a couple of attorneys, blah, blah, blah. but none of them truly talk. So if you're telling me that you're going to be collaborating with all of them for me or with me, phenomenal. Like I would love that type of relationship with you. So we can very quickly with a, a pretty low degree of risk, actually show people using their actual numbers, what this transition would look like. So as soon as you can do that, you start shining some light in those like you know, corners of the room that are kind of scary before mm -hmm. because you're just, your mind's running wild about what it might be if you were to take that risk. So I think that's, Steve, the best way we've come up with is you don't have to trust our word. We can actually show you based on your current client circumstance, how to go about it and then do it in a very strategic way where you're not having to kind of burn the boat. You know, you, you can do it slowly and strategically one client at a time. And it usually only takes a few clients and some positive feedback for people to go, oh my gosh. This is well, you've eliminated the leap of faith. Yes. Completely, which I love. Um, I think that's always the hardest part for people to get over is that when you describe it initially, they think, oh my gosh, this is going to destroy my, my business. You know, how is this going to work? What if it but, doesn't work? I have to right. pay a mortgage. I have kids in yeah, college. Of course. I have staff. What if I have to let go of I, I mean, those are all very real concerns, <clears throat> right? Yeah. And um, and I think until you're able to to show people, you know, there's a path here. You know, we're not going to flip a switch on day one exactly. and get rid of eighty percent of your clients. Uh, there's a, a way to approach this that, and and I think to your point, most of the people who are listening to this have that forty percent or twenty percent of clients that would be super excited about this. I mean, I could tell you right now, situation. My, my own personal situation, I don't have that. Yeah. And I'm in the process of coordinating a lunch with my team of advisors to say, hey, we need to do this on a regular basis, you know? And if if none of them are going to, you know, coordinate, then I will, because I need it. Yep. Um, most people won't go to that length to, to make that happen. And so right. I think it allows you as an advisor or a CPA, whatever role you're in, in the team, to sort of be the leader that's right. And start to put this together. So I think it's, it's super smart. So talk a little bit about what it's like once someone has sort of made this transition. What's it like to be a professional inside of a firm that's now built on the, the team concept? Good question. Ironically, I, earlier this morning, I was just talking with an advisor about kind of what are the options now that he's starting to head this path. So, I mean, you have some professionals that they're a little burnt out and they want a better work-life balance and they want to feel like they're earning what they should earn, right? And so that's one path. You have, you have less clients, you have a little bit of an improved 
work-life balance, um, more enjoyment to the career. And I think the other path is more of, well, we've built something unique. The majority of the industry are definitely not doing this. So do we use this as an opportunity, as a unique value proposition to attract talent and grow something, right? So that's the other path that I'm, I'm seeing other advisors and accountants go, which is like, uh, I'm ambitious and I'm, I want to build something. Now, I'm, now that I've built this inside of my practice, I'm using this as a pretty incredible talent magnet because it has all of the features of a better work-life balance, a higher revenue opportunity, deeper relationships with clients. It's different so we can win better business. We're growing organically because of the story that our clients are telling other, you know, other clients. And then in that way, it, it kind of becomes this engine to actually you know, grow a nice, profitable practice in a way that most of the industry is, is kind of struggling with how do we grow something? And then ultimately, how do we attract talent and how do we sell? Yeah. Well, and I, I think for, for all of the professionals that, that you're dealing with here and, and what we've talked about today, they're all in professions that are facing significant commoditization pressure. Absolutely. And this is the answer because, you know, for the accountant, it's not about how well you can add and subtract you know, for the financial advisor really has nothing to do with the product, all of that, somebody can go get now at 1-800-NO-HELP. But if you can add this additional layer of value that is custom and personalized, it's total game changer, I think. I mean, I would imagine you would, you would say that it is based on your experience. Yeah, I, yeah, I would. Um, I would say that. And obviously, I'm a bit biased. But yes, it's based on experience. And, and I think your personal story like validated that of just hearing me describe it and then thinking to yourself, interesting, I'm actually trying to create that right now with my professionals. And you're right when you say most people will not go to that degree of effort to get to organize their professionals. And let's fast forward six months, you may have enough motivation to keep that going. But what if the professionals themselves don't take the initiative and keep it going? You know, at some point, the client kind of gets burnt out. Like, why am I the one that's having to lead this team. I want to be the client. I want to focus on growing my business. I want to focus on doing more podcasts. I want to focus on developing a better employee culture, company culture. You know, like why don't you, my professionals, collaborate and and lead this? I don't want to have to be following up and scheduling the meetings and so forth. So I think the 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 whole approach of collaborating and efficiency. If you look at just the marketplace overall, not only our industries, but you know, it's the Lyfts, it's the Uber, it's the um, Instacart groceries, it's, it's everything is built more and more on technology and on efficiency and on collaboration. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think to me, that's, that, that's the key kind of going forward through this, this century is the better you can do that and pull together wisdom and knowledge and, and put it to use for people. So that you're the filter. I mean, if think about that's it, right. that's really a lot of what you're doing here is you're you're kind of curating the expertise that you know that your clients need. And I'd I'd love for you to touch on that a little bit because we've you know we've mentioned estate planning attorneys and financial advisors and CPAs, but really, as I understand it, you're really talking about a much broader set of expertise. It's not just limited to those those few areas, right? 
Exactly right. Yeah. So good observation. Typically, what we say is you have a proactive planning team, which really at the core of it should be an advisor and a CEPA coming together. You might have some local attorney relationships there as well. They're servicing 70, 80% of the client's needs, right? But behind them, rather than becoming that jack of all trade, they should leverage a virtual family office. We break a virtual family office up into five core, we'll call it, you know, bubbles or disciplines. You'd have a tax planning, which not just be the compliance tax returns or the audit services and bookkeeping. That would be a part of it. But it's also how do we create strategic tax plans to mitigate income tax, estate tax, capital gain, short, long term, et cetera, to the to the fullest extent we can. So tax planning, the second disciplined or bubble would be risk mitigation. And that could be your property and casualty. It could be your life insurance, your annuities, your captive insurance companies. The third would be more of that investment wealth management where you're talking the retirement accounts, the 529s, the crypto, the real estate, et cetera. The fourth would be the legal services. So actually drafting the buy-sell agreement, drafting the will, the trust. The fifth would be business advisory. And that's kind of what I referenced earlier in examples would be What's my employee culture? What's my succession plan? What are the key performance indicators of my company? You know, those are the five areas that I would say make up by far the majority of, of the needs, the concerns, the goals that those types of clients have that you would, you would want to serve. And within those five areas, you have kind of niche experts that would specialize in different areas. And so that's why you can see kind of obviously, if you do some quick math, I said we have over 50 experts in our virtual family office. If you have five areas, you probably have about 10 or so in, in each area. So that way, when you have a client that comes to the table and says, you know, I just was up in Sonoma with my wife for her birthday last weekend. And on the way back, this guy next to me on the plane was talking about an ESOP, employee stock ownership plan. Like, well, sounds incredible. What, what is that? There's no way I want to go out and become an expert in, in ESOP. I should leverage somebody in my virtual family office. I shouldn't just refer my client. I should say, great question. Let me talk to my team. We'll schedule something within the next one to two weeks to sit down with you and decide whether or not that actually is an option that would help you move towards your goals or there's something else that might even be better than that. You know, so that's, that's more of the structure. Um, those are the different areas. And you don't obviously need to start with 50. It's more of a, it's more of a concept initially, right? Than something that needs to be done before you start beginning these conversations. It's the concept is do the clients want their professionals to have a more collaborative relationship to offer more proactive and holistic planning? That's the concept. You start from there. Yeah. And I think you ask the clients and they will say, yes, absolutely. We've been waiting. Yep. And I, I haven't had a conversation yet where somebody goes, no, I, I would prefer a reactive professional versus a proactive <laughs> professional. No, I know. I don't want comprehensive. I want you to stay in your little box. I don't want you to tell me anything other than about this. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't happen. No, absolutely not. Well, this has been a great kind of, I think, entry point into this. So for people who are listening and, and wanting to learn more, what's, what's the best next step for them to take to kind of get plugged into what you're doing and, and uh, what you're doing at Elite Resource Team? Yeah. So if it's, if it's the concept overall, you know, I try to do one kind of 
free educational video a week that we post on our on our YouTube channel. If people are intrigued by that, you're welcome to check that out. If specifically what I've described in terms of our company and, and the position kind of that we we play there is intriguing, I'd say our website would be the best place to go. So Elite RT as an elite resource team, EliteRT.com. And we have some additional information, obviously, about type, the type of experts we're working with, the type of training and community we've built. And overall, I think the timing is just it's very good. I think there's a lot of shifts that are happening, as you alluded to, in all of the professional services space. People are trying to figure out exactly how to redefine their value in a day and age where technology is growing and changing quickly. And that's technology as we know it today, let alone how quickly AI is starting to to significantly disrupt things. So I think the less we depend on offering a commodity, the more we depend on offering something that is truly unique to what we do, which is our relationship and our ability to lead, uh, I think the better off we are positioned for the future. Awesome. Well, Anton Anderson, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Folks, check out EliteRT.com. We'll link that up along with the YouTube channel in the show notes. So if you're listening on a podcast player, just look in the show notes, you can go right to the app, watch some YouTube videos right now. Uh, thank you so much for being here. It's been uh, been really great. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Hope people enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bringing in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.